0: Hello, and welcome to the Text in Us podcast. I'm your host, George Fricks, and I'm here with my co host, L. Grover Fricks, to resume our discussion in Genesis chapter
1: 33. That's right. We've got Yaakov and Esav facing off this week.
0: Yeah, it's the uh, reunion chapter.
1: <laughs> right. Um, so I will be using the Hebrew word. Um, in replacement for the word that we usually translate grace or favor because I like both of those words um, And I don't want to choose between them And so if you're just popping in for the first time and don't know what I'm saying, that's what I'm saying As a verb and a noun because that's how Hebrew rolls
0: Yes, and if you're wondering where that comes from, we see it first in the story of Noach
1: Yes, very good Nice yep. first mention, pull there, George. All right, here we go. Scroll the better sheet, chapter thirty-three. Here we go. Yaakov lifted his eyes. He saw. Look here, Esav coming, and with him four hundred men. He split the children over Leah and Rachel, and over two of the tent servants. He placed the tent servants and their children first, Leah and her children after, Rachel and Yosef after them. He crossed over before them. He bowed himself to the land seven times until he drew near, until his brother Esav ran to call him. He embraced him. He fell upon his neck. He kissed him. They wept. He lifted his eyes. He saw the women and the children. He said, "'Whose are these to you?' He said, "'The children whom God chained your servant.'" The tent servants drew near. They and their children bowed themselves. Leah also drew near and her children, and they bowed themselves. Afterward, Yosef and Rachel bowed themselves. He said, "'Who is to you all this camp that I am met?' He said, to find chain in the eyes of my Lord. Esav said, I have much, my brother. I would that they would be for you, they that are for you. Yaakov said, no, please, if please, I have found chain in your eyes. Take my soothing offering from my hand, for I have seen your face as I have seen the face of God, and you accepted me. Take, please, my blessing that is brought for you, for God has chened me, and because I have all. He pecked at him like a chicken. He took. He said, "'Oh, that we would pull up our tent pegs and journey. I would have us walk. I would walk in parallel to you.' Yaakov said to him, "'My Lord knows that the children are tender and the flocks and cattle are nursing over me. If they're thrust forward even one day, all of the flock will die.' He will cross over, please, my Lord, before his servant, and I would lead like a slow river the feet of all that fills my household that goes before me and the feet of the children until I come to my Lord in Seir. Esav said, please, I would establish with you from the people who are with me. He said, why is this? I will find Hain in the eyes of my Lord. And that day Esav returned to his path to Seir, Yaakov pulled up his tent pegs and journeyed toward Sukkot, huts. He built for himself a house and for his purchased things. He made huts, therefore the name of the place is called Sukkot. Yaakov came peacefully to the city of Shechem, rise early, that is in the land of Canaan, when he came from Padan Aram. He camped before the face of the city. He bought the portion of the field where he pitched and placed his tent from the hand of the sons of Chamor, foaming donkey, father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of currency. He stationed a place of slaughter there. He called to him God, God of Israel.
0: This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right. Thank you for that reading. Let's dive into the text. I have divided this into two sections. Uh, the first part is verses 1 through 11. The second part is verses 12 through 20. Okay. Um, and so let's look at part one. It opens with Yaakov lifting his eyes. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a phrase that we've heard a number of times in the text. It's not super common, but uh it made me wonder um you know we see this with avraham in genesis 13 or sorry uh not genesis 13 and genesis 18 uh where he looks and there's uh angels stationed way off Mm -hmm. um and they're all just big casting
1: crowns fans from the mid-2000s george that's what they're you're missing
0: Right. Yes, that's exactly.
1: (laughs) I just can't hear that line without that bridge playing in my head. Okay. Um, Might expose my subculture, but (laughs) okay. Uh, So lifting your eyes to the hills. Yeah, I think it's just an idiom that um, we see throughout the text for someone intentionally looking forward and looking up right and not just like he happened to be glancing around and something I think it has a little bit more weight than that but obviously not a literal plucking out your eyes and lifting them to the hills yeah that'd be a different kind of story
0: um the midrash talks about this phrase in the text as a a tool that shows us a little bit about the character of the person hmm and so people in the text who are uh, aligned with God, when it says that they lift up their eyes, it tends to be something positive. Okay. And people that are not, it tends to be negative. Interesting. So like um, when Avraham and Lot are splitting up mm-hmm. um, because their possessions were too great, right? Lot lifts his eyes and sees Sodom and Amora. Uh-huh. And when Avraham lifts his eyes, a few chapters later, he sees messengers from God, and so they kind of go through this long list of times that it appears in the text, Mm -hmm. and showing the differences between the two, Um, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, Here we see Yaakov lift his eyes, and there's Esau coming, so Mm -hmm. I'm not sure whether that's supposed to be a positive or negative quite yet, (laughs) we'll kind of look more about that in this story, because... Uh, you know, there's obviously tension in their relationship, but, um, I did want to just mention that because I think it's interesting. Um, and we have this section here in verses one and two, where he's dividing his household. Yes. And this is an interesting move Mm -hmm. for him to make.
1: Well, he split up his animals and possessions into battalions, if right, you recall. Right, in the
0: previous chapter. And
1: he kind of plotted about how he was going to split up his family, because then if Aesop came and killed one half, he'd still have the other half, which, yeah. man, I wouldn't be. It feels like you know picking teams for basketball, who's going to be on, or any sport, who's going to be on which side, mm-hmm. <laughs> like itty, miny, mo, who might get killed by Aesop um sounds pretty dire the part that i was relieved honestly when it said in the text I'm like you've got to be kidding me he's sending the wives and the children up in front of him and right. he's going to be in the back you, no way and then we get to he crossed over before them I'm like Whoa. <laughs> yeah yeah he
0: crosses over and it before uh, them in front of them however you want to read yeah, that but yeah not
1: a total coward so right th- small wins yeah i'll take him
0: uh and it says he bowed himself to the land seven times until he drew near until his brother mm-hmm. which is uh an interesting you know uh posture yeah. to bow seven times
1: yeah i think at yom kippur the priests only prostrate themselves like three times so it's, it's a lot that's a lot of times
0: hmm okay yeah um Seven times, though.
1: Yeah, he's a scared, scared fellow. Thinks yeah, his brother is about to kill him, and worse, he deserves it. Right. That's a way worse feeling than just being scared in general.
0: <laughs> yeah, the uh, there's a story from the midrash where um, and we had talked previously about how uh, Levan sends his sons to go warn Asav. Mm-hmm. Uh and there's a midrash that says after they warn Asav, they then go to. Uh, Yitzchak's, oh man, Yitzchak's. I'm not gonna it's get it. Yitzchak's family. Here we go. And tells them about what's happening, and um, Rivka yep. sends messengers to uh, Yaakov okay. and tells him to do all of these things oh. in order to gain the favor, the chen of esav gotcha so uh if you go with the midrashic interpretation he's bowing seven times because his mom has told him to (laughs) do all this and to give him gifts and to arrange his people in Mm -hmm. these ways
1: you know that is interesting because we've seen Rivka really disappear off of the stage. Right um, after, after being a big player, she was a huge player, and then she promised to be there for him right. um, in all these different ways. I'll take the blame. I won't let you be cursed. I won't let anything happen to you, and I'll summon you back. She did let him be. <laughs> she did let him take the blame, uh, and she didn't keep him safe, and she didn't call him back. So maybe that would be nice if they had some kind of interaction still going on. But I also like the character development for Yitzchak to be, I mean, not Yitzchak, I'm sorry, Yaakov, to still be, you know, forging his own path here without the potential manipulation of someone who's not in their most healthy state. Right. Taking the lead, right. reins, you know but maybe she's doing great now because she's got this daughters-in-law that she always wanted,
0: who I knows? Yeah, who knows? Uh, there's another interesting connection here to I think potentially the Lot story, the Lot narrative um, in that this bowing himself to the land until he draws near mm-hmm. and then also in verse nine, or sorry, verse 10 where he says, please if I have found hen in your eyes, mm-hmm matches what we see Lot doing in Genesis chapter 18 when the angels are in the city um about to destroy it uh and he says he bow, it says he bowed himself to the land he said my lord please if i have found ken in your eyes uh please do not pass from over your servant um and
1: that's in that's Lot talking? That's Lot talking. Interesting. So maybe the text is doing a parallel between Avram and Lot, because that story was also about contrasting right. Avram and Lot and what kind of hospitality they
0: were offering. Right. And the fact that in the previous story where we see this conversation about lifting their eyes, mm-hmm. Avram and Lot referred to each other as brothers. Right. I recall. Right. So... Um, some interesting potential, uh, parallels. Right. Question is, what do you do with it? What do you do with it? Um, yeah. Hard to say. Uh, we'll have to keep looking. Yeah. Uh, as we go through. So, Aesop ran, runs to meet him. hmm Uh, which, again, may be a Levon callback. Um, right. There's a lot of family connections here. Right. Which is, this is definitely a family story.
1: Uh-huh. And uh, here we have a million he's, so you can't tell for sure who's doing what. <laughs> so
0: many he's, yeah. And we, there's a lot of liberty taken in our English translations about who is saying what uh, to know. whom. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so reading through yours and just seeing he did this, he said this, he did this, he said this, is like, oh my goodness. Right. We have, you know, 13 he's in a row, and, and how do you keep track?
1: No way to know. It could be Asav. Ran, called him, embraced him, fell on his neck, kissed him. They wept. Asav looks up, he sees them. You, those could all be Asav, and you could make the argument that that's the reason that it doesn't switch back and forth between the pronouns, right. Because it's everything that Asav is doing. Um, or you know, you could go more reciprocal and Asav ran to call him. Sure. Yaakov embraced him. Asav fell upon his neck. Yaakov kissed him. You know,
0: right? Uh, there's, I mean, if you look at verse uh, eight you know, to go with that point, it says, he said, who is it to you, all this camp that I am met? He said, in response, seemingly, to find hen in the eyes of my Lord, right? Right. So there's a a verse that directly seems like there's a switch between who's talking, but it still says he. He,
1: Right. Yeah, I would probably still say that until you get to that dialogue, um, all the way down, including that first line of dialogue, I would probably say that it's still Aesov because we start with that with it saying Aesov's the one doing this. Um and then they didn't bother switching it back to Yaakov because obviously he's gonna be the one responding. Hmm. And then we know that the line after that is Eesov because it actually bothers saying Esaf said. So if I had to put my money on something, I would say that these are all Aesop's actions. And of course I want them to be because I'm biased and I want it to be the tale of the prodigal son, right? Um, Ramez, of course, um, with all of this surprising grace and forgiveness for someone who absolutely does not deserve it.
0: Yeah, which interesting, you know, we often think of the prodigal Son story and who do we usually think of in comparison with that right it's really this but i think you definitely could make the argument that the prodigal son story has a lot in common with avraham and lot mm. in the same way
1: but there's no snogging between avraham and lot it's knocking. And it's an important part of the story, George.
0: It is, but right. But if you go with the the uh, concept of the stories redeem being redeemed over time, right? Right. Um, right. The prodigal son is kind of the th- the third rendition, the third redemption of that story, because this story gets close hmm. but doesn't quite make it there, right? Because Yaakov runs away at the end.
1: Yes, he definitely does, which we'll get to. Yes, it's not full reconciliation, which is a bummer because he continues deceiving his brother, even in the face of all of his brother's magnanimity. Right. Um, one thing I want to point out specifically, he fell upon his neck, which I know there is a peak midrash about, and I'm really hoping you found it because oh, it's delectable. I did. But before you read that one for our listeners, because it's glorious. Um, this, just pointing out why neck, why does not like fell upon his, there's a word which we usually translate bosom, which just means like the space that you hold a baby on Okay, is normally what we would see for the place that you embrace somebody. Um, but instead, neck is specifically the spot that Yaakov put skins on before.
0: in order to deceive,
1: deceive dad. And so, and the place where there used to be a covering and deception instead, there's vulnerability and, and affection and intimacy Mm. there. So
0: that's interesting because, um, there's also a potential parallel to that story in that when Aesop finally shows up and goes to get the blessing Mm -hmm. from his father, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, there's a similar pattern in the weeping mm. that happens after that right um and uh more specifically let me see my notes here um it says that he uh weeps and lifts his voice Uh, instead of his eyes instead of his eyes and the lifting of the voice is what we see in the hagar story says she weeps and lifts up her voice i see right and it's this outcry of uh, i've
1: been made an outsider in my own family
0: yeah um so here we see a transition there's the weeping and the lifting of eyes.
1: To see the wholeness of the family. To see
0: the wholeness of the family. So here, lifting of the eyes, if you go with that previous rabbinic tool, something good. This is a good sight of Asav, a growth in Asav that mm-hmm. we haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to make this restitution, this, this uh, um, reconciliation reconciliation of their family. Right. Even which is though- a huge theme in this chapter that I feel like gets kind of muddled and subdued in the English translation. And I like what you've done in this chapter. I think it brings it out a lot more clearly.
1: Well, I think we're also motivated to see Esav as this like evil, scary archetype. Oh, yeah. Which oh, yeah. is a tragedy. Because we love our villains. We do love our villains. And here, he's the victim in all this. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, sure, maybe he shouldn't have, you know, sold his before, um status. But that shouldn't have been something that was carried out, right? So, right. from the very beginning, even if he's not super wise, still he's always the victim of Yaakov's schemes. And here he is being generous, being very uh, magnanimous.
0: Yeah. So, let's talk about the Midrash real quick. <laughs> yeah, the so neck midrash. The neck midrash. And so, there's two competing narratives in the Midrash here. Um, that have to do with the way that this is translated. Mm. Um, And the positive interpretation, which um, Rashi uh, has, uh, and it's other places in the Midrash, but the one I pulled from specifically specifically here was from Rashi, is that uh, this came about because he was overwhelmed with his compassion for Yaakov. That's nice. um, Which is nice, right? Good and has job, a re- guys. It <laughs> has a redemptive theme to it, which I appreciate because they have not had that posture towards Aesav right? at all. Right. Um And so the other one, which is the more negative one, and I think the more widely uh, yeah. known and accepted one because it fits with the rest of their themes about creating a villain out of Aesop. but um, it's
1: also more fun. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> comes from Bereshit Rabbah, uh seventy-eight nine, Asav ran to greet him. He embraced Yaakov and falling on his neck he kissed him and they wept. So the word kissed is dotted, and this is a uh will be something for your Hebrew students oh my to gosh. look at.
1: I laughed a lot when I looked at it and thought about sending a screenshot to them. <laughs>
0: The word "kissed" is dotted above each letter in the Torah's writing. Mm-hmm. Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar said, "In every place that you find a lot of text with few dots on top, you need to interpret the dots. And when you find a lot of dots on top of a few words, you interpret the words." interesting reasoning i'm not sure where he's coming from here but uh here's the origin of this bidrash Mm -hmm. now you know Mm -hmm. here neither is the case rather it teaches that esav was overcome with compassion in that moment and kissed yaakov with all his heart so there's that agreement with rashi Mm -hmm. uh rabbi yanai said to him if so why is kissed dotted Uh uh-huh (laughs) Bum, bum,
1: bum.
0: <laughs> On the contrary, it teaches that Esau came not to kiss Yaakov, but to bite him. <laughs> but our ancestor Yaakov's neck became like marble, and that wicked man's teeth were blunted. Hence, they wept. <laughs> teaches that Yaakov wept because his neck is now marble, and Esau wept because <laughs> of his teeth.
1: So just like backtracking here for a minute, first off what kind of bite was it? <laughs> That's right. That's my question. Second of, uh, Yaakov turns into Edward from Twilight, you know, rock hard skin, you can't yes yeah. this. <laughs>
0: uh, but the Midrash seems to imply that that was an, a permanent change.
1: And then they're both bummed out right. so much from it. It's just, it yes. becomes a Mel Brooks movie. You yes. know, the comedic, uh, it's
0: just gold. Right. I can't. And so, Rabbi Yochanan teaches that from here, the passage in Psalms 7-4, your neck is like the Tower of Ivory. (laughs)
1: You've got a Jacob-like neck. Yes. Just (laughs) what every woman wants to hear. Your neck reminds me of the Third
0: Patriarch. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Great. Thanks. Uh, Yes. Uh, And uh, uh, I'm going to butcher this name. I apologize uh pierkei de rabbi eliezer says the wicked esau's teeth became blunt uh bummer and when the wicked one saw that the desire of his heart was not realized he began to be angry and to gnash with his teeth as it is said the wicked shall see it and be grieved Mm. he shall gnash with his teeth and melt away
1: i guess i will have to live off jamba juice now he can't eat his hundred things
0: He's a juice boy.
1: Big bummer. <laughs> okay, so I mean.
0: So they're weeping about their situation.
1: Right. Uh, circling back to this problem that they've caused for themselves, that's the ironic part. So the dots, if you know nothing about Hebrew, you, you can look at it and you've got these characters and then you've got dots. Right. Some of those dots um, are vowels. So the original manuscript did not have dots. Um, the, it was an oral tradition and vowels had not been invented in the Hebrew writing system yet. And so the only way that you knew how to pronounce things was from knowing the text already. So the descendants of the Parashim, of the Pharisees, are the Masoretes who come much later, well into the rabbinical um era and they're the ones who in Tiberius, so up in the Galilee up in the Galilee yeah um where their ancestors were um they're the ones who invented our vowels and but not all of those uh were all of those dots are not vowels some of them are cantillation marks which have this function to show where they thought the the sentence should be broken up because they also didn't have grammar. Um, and punctuation. And, yeah, so the punctuation yeah. causes some um, uh, interpretive problems, which we can get into that in a, at a different time. But so um, the Masoretes date from the 5th to the 10th century CE and they're the ones who put all these dots in there so the Mm. rabbinical community being like well we have to do something about the dots it's like you guys are the ones who put the dots in (laughs) you know like there's a scribe who's like it can't really have been a kiss because look and then he looks down for a second (laughs) there's so many dots here they're not inspired um you know, it might be, if you want to be most generous, it might be recording a previous oral tradition, um, of singing that one particularly long. That's what cantillation okay. means. Yeah. So instead of a, da, 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 or whatever, it would just be a da type run. Um, that's, there's, it's a code that has musical inflection in it. Um, and doesn't sound as broke like the way I just sang it, but yeah. that's the idea. Um, so to say, like we have to do something with this interpretation because of these dots when you put them there yourselves, is quite the, quite the life choice. Um, and to me, they're making things work. Yeah, and what they want to work is Esau both being a villain and being humiliated in some terrible way, right. like his teeth all breaking off when he encountered Yaakov's hot rock hard body apparently
0: i mean yeah <laughs> how else do you think he uh lifted the stone off of that well
1: just with his neck though just his neck <laughs> the rest <laughs> tied a rope around there flexed the rock shattered into bits absolutely um but fascinating i'll still always love that one um i want to know if Yaakov was also sparkly in the neck region or if that's um, reserved just for Edward from Twilight. But we'll never know.
0: We'll never know. Ever.
1: <laughs> Until we get to heaven. Who wants to go ask Yakov? Right. Uh, okay. One other thing from this paragraph uh, that is more serious. They and their children bowed themselves. Um, and just pointing out for us in our culture, there's a contrast that we feel. Think of repentance, teshuvah, coming mm. back to the path yeah. as being a completely individual thing. <laughs> like, stay back here, sweetheart. Daddy sinned. He has to go apologize, right. right? That's what we would do if we prioritized repentance more in our culture, which we don't at all. But here, not only does he go and you know show deference, which is a form of repentance, even if it's not all the way stating, hey, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Um, yet it's a community activity and that's something that happens throughout Tanakh, which can be pretty offensive for individualists. Like, why are you including me with that group? I didn't do blah, blah, blah. Um, the Bible pretty continually sees it as a community, a family, a household affair when one person is sinned, right? Like Achan hides the, um, the precious metals under his tent, and his whole family right. gets stoned to death. Right. Um, which is a bummer and a wrestling match, but also reflects this communal identity that they had that we're all responsible for one another and our well being, and that includes our sin. So. Very interesting to me that we can see that right off here. Like, obviously, the children haven't done anything wrong to Aesop. They've never even met Aesop before. But they also need to show this deference because of this relational break.
0: Right. Yeah. With the exception of Benjamin, who's not born yet. So (laughs) the (laughs) only one who escapes this awkward
1: uh, uh, moment,
0: yeah, is him. So um, the the rabbis do something interesting with that, but I won't get into it uh, here. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, picking up in verse eight then, right after that happens, uh, he said, assuming this is Esau, mm-hmm. uh, who is it to you, all this camp that I am met, he said, to find Ken in the eyes of my Lord. Esau said, I have much, my brother, I would that they would be for you, that, uh, they that are for you. And this is an interesting exchange because, right, Yaakov is trying to give him this wealth these possessions as right. a as a uh a, an offering of some kind to make peace with him
1: right which hopefully by the way doesn't include the wives and the kids <laughs> like hopefully that's just the battalions of possessions right he i ahead. think <laughs> it's yeah i think it's
0: referring to the battalions that he set ahead right right because um, the
1: family's behind yakov and the possessions are in
0: front so they're right track. yeah uh and uh Asav, in an interesting move, is trying to not accept them, right? And this is not the character that we have been presented with of Asav. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: You can definitely read it more interpersonally and say that Asav is saying, no, I don't need your stuff, Um that there's some kind of unspoken reconciliation happening there too. But again, just pointing out in honor culture, which we do all the time, even though we're not particularly in honor culture, If you go out to dinner with a friend. Oh, I'll pay. Oh, no, don't do that. <laughs> of course, I'll pay. Oh, no, well, maybe we should go to. De- oh, no, let me, right? That's a typical conversation that happens. And so it's always possible that... That's also what's going on right here, because he ends up taking it after doing the obligatory, no, no, you drove all the way out here. Let me, let me, right? Yeah. Um, so it's hard to say how cultural this is versus how rooted in an emotional reality this is. Right, right. Um, but he does say this, I have seen your face as I have seen the face of God. Fascinating. Um, yeah. Takes me back to the wrestling story. I think there's something in there with right. the potential guardian angel, potentially Aesop, potentially just some poor guy. Um, yeah. Uh, but you know, doesn't make it super clear. And but the accepted me. Um, that accept word is sacrifice and debt language from Leviticus. So this isn't just like you welcomed me with open arms. Hooray! That's so nice of you. This is. There has been something that was grievously wrong, like a guilt offering, hmm. and you have accepted it. You have accepted this payment of my debt. Um, Interesting. Mm-hmm. It's theological language,
0: right? Well, and it's a it's a tithe offering um, based on the proportion. Okay. And the midrash talks about it in that way, um, and says that Yaakov took it all the tithe of his possessions and mm. sent it. Uh, by the hand of his servants, and gave it to Esau, uh, uh, Esau saying to them, uh, say to him, thus says my servant Yaakov, the Holy One, blessed be he, said to him, uh, Yaakov, that which was holy, uh, oh, sorry, uh, thus say uh, saith, boy, the language has confused me. I'm just going to read this again. Okay. Yaakov took all the tithe of his possessions and sent it by the hand of his servants and gave it to Esau saying to them, say, uh, ye to him thus saith uh, thy servant Jacob so uh, God shows up and says to Jacob hey uh, those things that I have given to you as holy you've made profane because you're giving a tithe to Asaph and tithes are for me hmm. uh, and
1: that doesn't seem like the character of the God that I know but right. okay <laughs> Don't uh, be generous. <laughs> Only right. give things to me. Don't pursue relational reconciliation.
0: Right. Uh, and Yaakov replies to him, Sovereign of all worlds, I flatter the wicked so that he should not slay me. Hence the wise men say we may flatter the wicked in this world for the sake of the ways of peace. Um, Asav said to him, Oh, my brother, I have enough, as it is said. And Esau said, I have enough. So um, I think that's interesting uh, as a... Teaching, hmm. uh, because uh, it, it reminds me of something we were talking about the other day with a teaching of Jesus about a servant who was uh, Dismines. handling financials.
1: Yeah, it's the Luke 16 passage of the dishonest manager, dishonest steward,
0: right? And trying to figure out why is God, but does Jesus see that in a positive, yeah, light? Oh, um, ooh. Uh, and the fact that this servant has been dishonest and is doing these things with the loans, mm. um, and so I wonder if there's a connection here to this teaching about preserving peace, uh, and that being, uh, you know, uh, weighted heavier than
1: right our model yeah than the actual who should get the possessions right. I really like that. Yeah, so Luke 16. Can yeah, check it out. Extra homework assignment. Uh, okay. So he pecks at him like a chicken, which I know you've been bringing up loads. I know. Right yeah. back to
0: that load. It's the only other time we see this.
1: Yeah. I'm, I mean, it probably will stick with you for a while. Um. Yeah. And it works, right? <laughs>
0: Just like in the load story, the angels come and stay with him. Right. And here, uh, Esau takes and accepts the uh, offering.
1: Yes. You know, you always take me on a journey, and I always start out skeptical, and at the end, I'm always <laughs> like, well, you showed me <laughs> every right. time. Okay. Uh, oh, that we would pull up our tent pegs and journey. I would have us walk. I would walk in parallel to you.
0: Yes. I love this translation. Oh, it is so you. interesting. And I'm going to read the ESV-KJV translation and the NIV translation just to show the contrast okay. uh, to this uh, so, and this is verse 12. So ESV and KJV are kind of the same. So I'm going to read just the ESV. It says, let us journey on our way and I will go ahead of you. Okay. Uh, so a couple of things there. Uh, I like the tent peg imagery, right? Mm-hmm. Because that is part of the story of the patriarchs, right? Is that they're not settling. They're living in tents. They're wandering They're on this journey. And Asaph is saying, let's do that together.
1: Right. Let's do the family business, what our household is supposed to be doing. That's a really good point.
0: Which is wild. Uh, I would have us walk. Mm -hmm. Uh, God is always calling to walk, walk. right? Walk to yourself. Right. Genesis. Um, Yeah. So, and I would walk in parallel to you, Mm -hmm. right? This is huge, right? He's asking for partnership, right? To be... Yeah,
1: it's, 100%, that's the uh, neged as in etzer kenegdo Yeah, interesting. Um, so again, a little marriage notion there, which has to do with the combining of two households. So yeah. it's like, he's pointing out our households have split. I would have us come together.
0: Right, um, which what a redemption thing. of the Lot story. Mm-hmm. If Lot had come back to Avraham instead of running off into the wilderness and said, right. let's walk parallel to each other. Right. Despite our vast wealth differences, right. Right?
1: right? Let's give it away to any survivors. Yeah, <laughs> so whatever. Amora, they need more than us. Yeah,
0: and surprise of surprises, Esau is the one coming and saying this. Right. Where you would expect Yaakov to be the one coming and saying this.
1: Yeah, man. So. It's a great also wedding passage if you, uh, you want to be creative out oh, there yeah. and not do Corinthians 13 or whatever.
0: Right uh niv says let us be on our way i'll accompany you so surprising here also niv i feel like is a little bit closer
1: yeah that's unusual
0: which is not normal yeah i feel like kjv usually does a really good job yeah uh and niv is a little, little farther away right but here uh i think that the NIV the is around. doing quite well Gold so start. uh despite all that i really like your translation here i think it adds a lot to the story Right, the uh,
1: word nisah really does mean pull up your tent pegs and journey. And there are other ways that he could have just said, let's go, yeah. come with me, let's walk together even. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't say that. It says, let's set out. Right. Set out, um, specifically around pulling up camp together.
0: Yeah, and I think there's something telling in what happens next with Cove that we'll get to your, in it's just a, a few verses. but Wild lies. Um, so... Uh, Yakov said to him this I, thing about, yeah,
1: I would love to, but if I do that, everyone will die. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Drama. A little bit extra. <laughs> yeah. Every single one will die if we even do that for one day. Right. Uh, <laughs> seems pretty, uh, pretty sketchy. Um, and it's a little bit tragic, honestly, because Esav leans back in and says, please, I would establish with you that established word is kum. So you can also put it in a tent context. I would set up camp with you. I would Hmm. uh, establish our household with you from the people who are with me.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, And Yaakov's response is weird to me. Why? Why do you even want to? I'll find, I'll find grace and favor in the eyes of my lord. It's like, is he still talking about Esau? Is he talking about God? There, I don't even know what he's referencing, and why is that the response to "Please come with me"? I would be one people. Um, it's still tragic.
0: Yeah, uh, for sure. And uh, there's this. I mean, he says until I come to my lord and uh, sayir. Mm-hmm. So, uh, obviously, a lie. Right? Yeah. Because he does not do that. Immediately. Yeah. The the rabbis take that and say, well, uh, Yaakov couldn't have been dishonest. <laughs>
1: of course not. Right. It's not in his capacity. <laughs> not in his capacity. Not <laughs> Yaakov. no history. <laughs>
0: yeah. He's not sneaky at all. Oh, boy. Um, and so they say the fulfillment of that is, uh, I think it's Obadiah has this thing about the house of Esau mm-hmm. will be no more. Yeah. And so... Uh, in the uh future, okay, you know, uh when the uh, kingdom of Israel is being established again, mm. um, they're gonna go and destroy all the all the descendants of Esau, oh. which is such a backwards image of what mm. should be a redemptive. Story right. arc, right?
1: Like, oh, I'll meet you there. I'll meet you there in a thousand years. And yeah. Kill all of you. Oh, yeah. Good. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Just what I had intended.
0: Right. Um, Vampire so, boy. Yeah. And Aesop says, please, I would establish with you from the people who are with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the English translations, this is uh, essentially let me leave some, uh, let me leave with you some of the people who are with me um but i like this word establish mm. uh because it really you know continues with that united language Great. right let me establish this joining this relationship this you know reuniting of our households mm-hmm. by leaving some of my people with you to help you out on this journey which you have said is going to be really hard yeah um
1: yeah yeah please let me help out everyone's going to die apparently here yeah. How can I be of assistance? No, 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 no.
0: Right. And I do think it's, I think it's Yaakov saying this next portion. Why is this? I will find hen in the eyes of my Lord. Yeah. Um, I don't know, kind of like you were saying, is the Lord referenced here still Asav? Right. Or hard is it God? Say. Right. Right. It's hard to say. I feel like it should be Asav, but it's confusing. Um yeah.
1: Other translations, uh, interpret that, which I think, you know, makes sense to use interpretation when it's so confusing. Um, but they go with, please indulge me yeah. as in it's future tense in a desirous way. Like, please give me this grace of letting me ignore your hospitality and run the other direction. Um, so I think that's possible. But if he's talking about God, because the word's just Adonai, by the way, but he calls him that yeah. a minute ago. Um, he could also be saying, why would you leave anyone with me? I, of course, will find Chayn with Adonai. He'll take care of me, even though apparently I think everybody's about to perish. Yeah. Um. So I could see it going either way.
0: Yeah. Uh. Yeah, hard to say. Uh, I'd be interested to hear a teaching on this. I didn't find anything, you know, in the Midrash that kind of explained that. Sure, so. which to
1: them probably means it's clear. And <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> it's not worth discussing.
0: Yeah, so Yaakov pulls up his tent pegs and journeys towards Sukkot, not the direction he's supposed to be going.
1: Not Sa'id.
0: And uh, interestingly... This is verse 17, it says he built for himself a house. Yes. A thing that God's people are not supposed to be doing. <laughs> he goes and does.
1: Well, okay, pause though, because he builds a house can mean he built like him, a log cabin out there and Abraham Lincoln helped him. Or it can mean he built a household because he was saying to Laban, please let me go, I've been serving you for 20 years, so it is time for me to build my own bite. So you could say that that bayit is a literal insula, or you could say that the bait is a, he started his own legacy mm. because he just said no to uniting the, you know, the task of being b'chor with his brother. And so
0: he's doing it himself
1: with, by the way, always that little salty inclusion for his purchased things.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For his purchased things, he made huts. Therefore, the name of the place is called Sukkot. Yeah. Now, here's where I would say that he built a house. Okay. Who's the only other person in Afraham's household who has a house?
1: The pigs, I don't know.
0: <laughs> Our homeboy, Lot.
1: Does Lot have a house? Lot has a house. Don't we find him in a cave, like the last time we see him, or you mean in the intermediate? After the
0: city's destroyed, yes.
1: Okay, so okay, so you're saying he's choosing to walk in the path of Lot rather than the path of Avram? I would say so. Okay, all right. Well, um, maybe I—I I mean, I agree that Yaakov is not doing the right thing here. I don't think that he should have spurned the generosity and hospitality and reconciliation of his brother. Um, Lot's decision to go and be in the city and be in the gates. Would be something that I would think of more than a house. So I don't think it. That's, that's where he invites wanted. the angels
0: to stay come into my house. House. Come into my house. Come into my house. Come to my house. We have to get out of here. <laughs> They're know. trying to kill us. <laughs>
1: we were edging more Austrian every time we got there. Okay. Um. Oh, boy. Uh, does it use the word house? It does tricks? use the word house. Uh, well, you double-checked? I double-checked. <laughs> Always doing the legwork. Okay. Well, fine. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, I... I kind of see more in the text this narrative about the splitting of a house being a legacy because bayit can refer to like the first time we see the word bayit is Noah and God tells him take your bayit onto the ark and obviously he doesn't have you know <laughs> he doesn't load up the semi with his mobile home. <laughs> He's sure. bringing his household with him and his legacy and that word, there's bite. there isn't a separate word.
0: Building many barns for his possessions.
1: Mm, yeah, yeah, okay, throw in some Jesus. Yeah. Um,
0: and also, right, this is where we start to see the narrative trend of when he is walking in the path that God has for him, being called Israel,
1: mm-hmm. and when
0: he is not, being called Yaakov. Ye-
1: that's true.
0: And here, he's definitely not being called Israel.
1: That's true.
0: Now, he does uh, head to Shechem. hmm And there, he makes a place of slaughter and calls to him, God, God of Israel. Mm-hmm. Right? So, there's a little bit of a change. Interesting that he's purchasing land here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is the land that Yosef is buried, traditionally. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's also one of the three pieces of land that is purchased by the patriarchs.
1: Oh interesting. Um, I mean, if it's a literal house, then also you have more justification because you would need to actually buy a plot of land versus if you're just traveling through, you're allowed to squat a little bit more. Um, I want to point out that the Sukot, of course, is when the name. Of the high holidays, it is. Um, it's super inconvenient if you live in Jerusalem,
0: at it's also coming up, uh, in October.
1: Uh, yep, you're right. Um, it's hard to like make it through the streets because every single house and every single place of business erects a hut in the street. Yes, <laughs> so you have to squeeze through. Um but you know, it's a fun time of year. They shave all the palm trees and leave the leaves around for everybody yeah. to be able to fulfill the mitzvah. So it's and, a fun time.
0: Yeah, and you get to eat with your community. Right, and it's a mitzvah
1: to eat and sleep in the in the sukkah. So right, uh, the tiny little crash course in the Feast of Tabernacles, as it usually gets translated in our English text. Um, but what's interesting to me. Here is that we associate the Feast of Tabernacles with, which makes sense because it's what God says to do, um, with the time that they're in the wilderness. And so it's a story about God providing for them during this long stretch of time, mm-hmm. right? And that's what you're supposed to be remembering during the festival. Um, it's also, by the way, one of the few festivals that <laughs> they all say... <laughs> um, This is a huge theological trapdoor to jump into. Um, Leviticus says that all... That's what we're here for. (laughs) Theological trapdoor. Surprise! (laughs) Um, The text says that all the festivals should be celebrated um, by God's people throughout every generation. Mm -hmm. So people who believe, who see their Christianity as, um, you know, like the Hebrew Roots Movement... Um, those folks, (laughs) folks aligned with them are going to see that as, oh, I'm a person who's been added to the Jewish family and they don't see them as different. Um, whether or not you, which team you choose to ally with, which has all sorts of different overtones that I'm not the, I know a lot about, but I shouldn't be the voice (laughs) communicating those positions, um, because of my identity but this particular festival is the one that the minor prophets say that in the age of Messiah, all the nations of the earth, so very specifically, Goyim, Gentiles, are going to come and, and celebrate this. And so it makes me curious if our first mention of Sukkot is not the traditional take of time in the desert. Right. But rather Yaakov, um, setting up by Shechem, of all places, Um for his stuff it's just very interesting to me thinking about why why is this the place why is this Sukkot why is this the the one festival out of all of the beautiful imagery that God strings together through his holidays why is this the one that it says in the messianic era um all the nations of the earth will participate in super interesting to me I don't necessarily have answers you've got any ideas spring to mind
0: I don't. Um, you can
1: send them in then.
0: Yep, send in your answers.
1: Yep, we love to, we'd love to hear them and share them.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, Shechem, right, you have here translated means rise early. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the angels do get Lot and his family up to rise early to <laughs> escape the city.
1: Just going right back to your theme. I am, <laughs> like, and, <laughs> and
0: what happens to Lot's wife?
1: Uh, well, it depends on who you ask. She okay. either turns into a garrison. or She does turn into a garrison, rather. It's yes. not a pillar.
0: Of salt. Right. She dies.
1: Well, is it really death, George?
0: That's a good question. What happens to Yaakov's wife? She turns into a garrison of salt. She dies. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't know where the foaming donkey comes in uh for (laughs) (laughs) Kamor,
1: nobody knows where the foaming donkey comes in um yeah yeah uh and we'll get more on shechem of course in the next chapter
0: we will all right he builds an altar very much like his father's before him Mm -hmm. and he calls to him God, God of Israel. The Midrash is very clear to point out that he's not calling the altar <laughs> God of Israel.
1: No matter which people group in what era, we're always worried about accidental idolatry. Right. Which always seems weird. Right. <laughs> but whatever.
0: Yes. And also to point out that when Moses also builds an altar and gives it a name, then that name of God is also not calling the altar God. It's funny. Um,
1: I think it's because it says to him, he called to him. It doesn't say he called to God, God of Israel. Um, So they're probably concerned about that him specifically. But I think what's significant here is this is, I'm pretty sure his first use of his new name. He hasn't been walking in the name that was given to him when he was wrestling, just saying, oh, I've seen the face of God and getting a blessing from it. He didn't tell Esau, oh, sorry, actually, my name's Yisrael now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, So here he waits to have a moment, not of crisis, which, hey, I guess that makes sense. Um, And reintroduces himself to God and resets his relationship with God, coming into the vision that God has for him and what God has stated about his identity. So... That's a good thing, George.
0: All right. <laughs> uh, one last thing that I wanted to mention. I forgot about it earlier about the face of God phrase, which is weird and unusual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what the Midrash has to say about that is that he was making a power play mm-hmm. of saying that I've seen God and I'm still around. So obviously, God is on my side. So therefore, don't try and kill me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just so you
1: know, Just God so and so you know. I are <laughs> I
0: have seen your face. And I've seen God's face.
1: Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, that's pretty negative, but, uh, but I'm still into it. Uh, my last thing that I didn't get to say, which has absolutely no redemptive value to it at all is when he says, if they are thrust forward, even one day, all the flock will die. That word, uh, thrust forward is in Hebrew pronounced the that's all.
0: What? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, that's it. You can cut it out if you want. That's it's just a little bonus. Bonus Hebrew facts. <laughs> that's what the people are here for.
0: Language in the Hebrew with yep. L. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You sound like one of my students who
1: You know what? You spend enough years working with middle school boys, it makes <laughs> an impression on your brain that never goes away. So yes.
0: All right. <laughs> this has been the text in us podcast for better or worse thank you so much for joining us we hope that you will be willing to join us again next time <laughs> still come back for chapter 34
1: and just speaking the truth of of the hebrew in the original language just blessing God's people. Um, if you want to complain about my taste or have ideas about any of the things we brought up or any other separate questions, you can find me at elkriverfricks at gmail.com.
0: And don't forget to vote uh, between my theory and Elle's theory about the <laughs> Lote comparison. Uh, sure. Uh, vote for George.
1: <laughs> okay. Bye.